100. Can you believe it? Bass Edge Radio presented by MegaWare Keelguard. Aaron, you know, we've talked about this a lot. We threw a lot out on social media, gave away some great things. But, man, this is a big day for Bass Edge. Huge milestone. Kurt, I know you're kind of a sensitive guy, so I'm sure you have a box of Kleenexes right there by you because this is huge in the terms of the Bass Edge family and Bass Edge Nation. Well, look, Aaron, you know, obviously, 200 episodes, it's been around a long time, nine seasons, way back in 07 did this whole thing kick off. But uh, honestly, you know, I think there's 200 more in the can here. So I am not weeping. I'm actually more excited. So uh, you're going to have to turn that frown into, <laughs> into a smile because I'm fired up for today's show. Tears of joy, my friend. Tears of joy. Let's take this show and kick it off right. Bass Edge Radio, episode 200. This is it. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keelguard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keelguard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerful is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerful deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerful won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerful, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Aaron, I'll tell you what, you know, being that we're at episode 200, I'm, I'm going to say that 100 times a day, maybe 200, episode 200, because uh, Bass Edge was created way back when, you know, 05, 06 was really the year that it all started. Why don't you give Bass Edge Nation that, that hadn't been part of that past a little glimpse in how Bass Edge was started? Man, you are making me dig back in the archives because you're exactly right. Along about 2005, Kurt, you know, actually was approached by an individual that was in the, uh, the programming side of things, had a relationship with uh, some of the major TV networks, did some NFL work, and showed uh, an interest in getting into the outdoor programming. Kind of fast-forwarding, you know, he had known that I was interested in bass fishing. I thought was kind of picking my brain. I gave him some information. Lo and behold, at a restaurant one day, sitting down for lunch and some notes on a napkin, uh, he took some of those thoughts and ideas, went to the network. They liked it, and next thing I know, I was being asked, uh, you know, to host Bass Edge Television and shoot a pilot, and then kind of the rest is history. Hey, hey, now that's when it all started. The TV star was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. You know, they all say we're just uh, one webcam away from being a porn star, and thank God I was in the fishing <laughs> side. But it's been an extremely interesting ride, Kurt. I totally feel that, like yourself, you know, we have a whole team on, in the day-to-day operations of Bass Edge that has been there the entire nine years with, with Walter, with Steve Leslie, with Matt Wilson. You know, those guys are still at it, have really shaped and molded the brand into what it is. You know, the podcast, if 
you remember, this was really kind of a byproduct of the television show that kind of supported when we would go from location to location, would take guys and guest hosts and pros like yourself, pull you out, and then say, okay, let's break down and go into more detail outside of what we can show on a 22-minute television show and talk verbally and kind of take that in-depth for that real vertical audience that really wanted to take their fishing to the next level. That's right. I, I, you know, I remember way back when, when, when I was introduced to you and Bass Edge and uh, one of the first guys that you really got to know well was Pete Pons, you know, and he was actually episode one of the podcast. And uh, Pete was very instrumental, I know, in kind of the beginning of Bass Edge and creating lots of relationships with pro anglers. Obviously, that's never going to be forgotten with Bass Edge. And then, boom, there I was. Thanks to you, I made my television debut. That's right. And in those early days, we have to be clear, and, and certainly for all of those out in Bass Edge Nation that aren't familiar, maybe you're new to Bass Edge, you know, season one, season two, season three, the television shows are out there. It's hilarious that if you start with season one and go all the way through the 40 plus episodes that are actually out there, just to see like the development of the project and really of the anglers, because like you said, Pete was really the catalyst for those angler relations. You know, I was just a Midwestern boy that happened to, you know, stumble into a meeting one day and then this came about. But there's also a lot of people that are no longer with the brand that really their footprint is still left behind because of all the efforts, the ideas and the energies and passion that they put into the brand, not to mention all of our sponsors. I mean, O'Reilly, Keelguard, Legend Boats, Mercury, Powerpole, all of these guys have been with the brand for an extremely long time. And I think that is hats off to you guys as being the anglers that came in and gave the information and willing to put in the time. Because one of the things that a lot of people don't realize, we didn't pay any talent. I'm sure you remember that, Kurt. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. I did remember that. I thought, I'm going to be a TV star. I'm going to get a big check now, right? And and not so much. We were making it just to make it because we enjoyed it. We loved the passion. And that's what Bass Edge is. It's a passion for anglers. And I got to tell you, if you want to learn a little bit more about the history of Bass Edge, just Google it up. It's all over the place. You can see it on our website, BassEdge.com. All 200 episodes still available on the website for podcasts. And there's been so many great anglers, so many great podcasts. The only way to really appreciate it all is just go back through, take your time on a long drive or a Sunday afternoon and start listening to a few of those old podcasts. They're a lot of fun. But I tell you what, Aaron, we've done a great amount of reminiscing. I'm sure there'll be a little bit more as the episode continues here. Episode 200 of Bass Edge Radio. Let's move on to a new pro tip from protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine Products. Visit lucasoil.com. I'm Chad Hoover with Kayak Bassin TV, and you are chilling with Bass Edge Radio. Today's pro tip brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. How do I structure fish like FLW Pro? Mark Rose. 
Mark, what frequency, 50 kilohertz, 83 kilohertz, or 200 kilohertz, is best suited for traditional sonar, and what are the differences of 455 kilohertz and 800 kilohertz in structure scan sonar? That's a tough question. I tell you, but it's one that we all need to know if we're playing with our electronics very much, and that seems to be the way that fishing is going these days. You know, every frequency has its own advantage, but for the most part, in most freshwater applications, applications, the 200 kilohertz is really going to be the best. It has the best noise reduction. It has the best cone angle. It's just a, a clear, crisp picture. You're going to get a little bit better detail in really, really, really deep water, you know, uh, with 50 kilohertz. But, you know, that's mostly saltwater stuff. And so I would stick more with the 200. Now, the 83, one thing I do really like about that is when I'm fishing in big crowds and we're all on in ledge tournaments and I feel like most people are using the 200 kilohertz, then I'll go over to the 83 and I don't get very much crosstalk. In other words, I'm not uh, getting the frequency off of their unit. So I can get a little more detail that way and quit that. Stick with 200, I think it's the best. And the 455 and 800, that's in your structure scan. 455 will give you a little more detail out a little bit wider, but the 800 is going to be what you would want to use most of the time. It's kind of like the 200 with the sonar. So use those tips. I think it'll help you out in your electronic fishing. Well, there you have it, Bass Edge Nation. Straight from Lucas Pro Angler, Mark Rose. Two fishermen came together with one agenda to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish with our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride extreme rough water just doesn't exist we're not just building a boat we're building a legend legend boats I am Marcus Sikora, FLW All-American Champion. You're dialed into Bass Edge Radio. Once again, Bass Edge Radio has come a long way, and this is our 200th edition of our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Luckily, we have an angler today that is shining all over the bass fishing industry. This pro is no stranger to Bass Edge, as we welcome back to the program Boyd Duckett. Great to have you with us again, Boyd. Okay, thanks, Kurt. It's always good to be at Bass Edge. Well, Boyd, you know, I just want to welcome you back. And I, I remember some of those days that you spent with me and the rest of the Bass Edge TV crew the year after you won the Bassmasters Classic in 2007. You know, we had such a great time out on Lake Eufaula in 08 as a co-host of Bass Edge Television Season 2. And, you know, one of those things in particular that I remember, I think we were actually setting out on a ledge of all things drop shotting, you know, over a brush pile just cleaning their clocks with a drop shot. And then all the way back to our Bass Edge radio podcast in episode number 41. I kind of think we're getting a little older, Boyd. I'm telling you, you know, Bass Edge is one of the products that have been around so long, and uh, it was fun. I remember all those good memories, and you and I also had a great time at Martin one time in another show and caught a bunch <laughs> yeah. of spotted bass. Yeah, we, we were killing them. Hey, do you remember that one boat dock that we continued to catch fish? It only had two or three feet of water under it, and we just kept catching them under that one boat dock over and over and over. Wasn't that wild? 
boy, you read my mind because I was just thinking about that. I think there was like some like 23 bass that came out from this little one stall dock. And that was also the time, if you remember, we were throwing these shaky heads and the one grabbed the worm. I think it broke you off. We went down the bank about 15 feet to a brush pile. You caught the fish. And when you brought it back up, it had that broken off shaky head still in its mouth. It was those aggressive spots. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's crazy how aggressive they get that time of the year. Well, boy, you know, since then, obviously, there's been so many things that have changed in the fishing industry and and, uh, for us one Bass Edge Radio and for another thing the big movements that you have made to kind of try your hand at your business expertise in the bass fishing market. You've developed a rod company and now you're coming out with the addition of reels. How is the business going and what do you see on the horizon for ducat fishing? Well I tell you we've had a good run. You know we've got four or five lines of rods out now and we continue to grow and to create new rod products but it's just natural for us to move over into reels. So that's been the big push the last year or so. I've spent a ton of time trying to develop a reel that's better than. It's kind of my philosophy. If you're going to enter the market and you just want to, you don't want to me too, you know, you want to try to develop something that's better than what's out there. So that's a lot of fun to work on those projects. I have a great time in the fishing industry, getting a chance to work in an industry that I have so much passion for and develop products. You know, that's the fun part for me is to continually try to develop something and to see consumers, you know, have a better day on the water. I mean, I've spent my life fishing and, you know, that's the real push for me. Boy, you bring up a point there because you've always had a business acumen about you, even from the days when you had the trucking company. And, you know, you were one of the few that actually had to work two major jobs. One was obviously from the standpoint of running your trucking company and then also being a top competitor and Bassmasters Classic champion, which is no easy feat in and of itself, but to do both of those things. And and you've kind of carried that theme over, like Kurt had mentioned, you know, with regards to ducking fishing, but also another industry venture that you've taken a large role in is the made-for-TV event, the Major League Fishing. You know, and MLF is currently launching in its third season on the Outdoor Channel, and it seems it's rising to the top fast of the industry. Let's dive into kind of the inception for Bass Edge listeners. Why MLF? Well, gosh, that's quite a story, and, and a lot of time and energy and water has gone under the bridge. But, you know, back when, well, all along, I guess, since I have been competing, and, and especially when I started competing at the top level, I felt like there was an element missing from our television production, from our standard industry shows we were used to watching. And, you know, I just had this idea kicking around in my head, and I thought it could be more exciting to show more of the competition between the anglers. And that required some technology that we had used in bass fishing, like the onboard scoreboards. I thought it would be really cool to eliminate the weigh-in and have the game be played on the water. And all of these elements, of course, you see today have gone into Major League Fishing. And I thought it would be really neat to reduce the size of the field so that those competitors that qualify and remain in those Major League Fishing Cup events, that the world could get to know those top competitors. So we were able to accomplish all those things. And you're right, it has, uh, it's actually the number one rated fishing show on television and nearly I think it's number two now on on Outdoor Channel for all ratings so we're really moving fast in that direction I will say while we're on this subject that it was my goal and our goal at Major League Fishing to continue to build this television product and to offer it to a new audience what I mean by that is beyond outdoor programming 
and you can see now that we've actually got our championships on a major network and we're constantly working to try to find a way to create partnerships with other non-outdoor networks where we can offer bass fishing to the general public that maybe hasn't seen how competitive our sport really is. Well, Boyd, I've been able to be a part of this new Major League Fishing and part with the Selects program in 2015. So, you know, it seems like there's always some growth that you guys are having in Major League Fishing, and, and I'm super happy to be a part of it. The intensity level is up about 10 times over a typical fishing tournament. Even people now with the ability to have score tracker and do the MLF style of fishing in their own club tournaments if they want to has really kind of changed the game for everybody as, as it evolves and becomes a trendsetter. I feel like the difference in the MLF events is really how the weekend angler has to approach his time fishing. And they can really get a lot out of the strategies that are seen on TV with major league fishing and then incorporate that into their own fishing when they get you know a couple weekends a month to fish what is it that you feel like strategically is most successful in the mlf format that then can be learned from the average weekend angler well there's no doubt kurt that we are like most weekend anglers when we compete in major league fishing what i mean by that is and i don't think everybody realizes how strict we are about no information that probably takes it beyond what most weekend anglers do. I don't think anybody has actually ever gone to a strange lake and got no information whatsoever. I mean, didn't look at the internet, didn't look at a map, haven't talked to or called anybody. You don't know if it's 300 feet deep or four feet deep. You don't know if it's muddy or clear. I mean, we really put ourselves in that situation. But what's so good for the fans and, and the viewers to learn from that show is you watch these top competitors in both the selects and the cup events get out there scratching their head. And in period one, I mean, let's face it, we're all lost, just like anybody that backs their boat in a new body of water. So you get to watch these top pros figure out how to catch fish and how to put the puzzle together. You know, every day of fishing is a puzzle, trying to figure out what they're doing, where they are, and how to catch them. And then that evolves sort of into period two, and you see the guys start catching them. And by period three, it's normally a slugfest, you know, and you better be involved because if you get behind, it's all over, you know. But those leaders by then are catching them, and it's such an intense format. But I think that the information that the viewer can learn is how to find fish. And Kurt, you know from your success, that's the whole game when it comes to competitive bass fishing. How to find them as quick as possible to save your day. And that's the hard part. And we've got it all filmed, you know? It is. I, I gotta say real quick, too, that there's always this uh, preconceived notion. You know, you watch some other fishing programming, and you're always watching the guys that are just catching them. You know, you're seeing the two or three minutes of great footage that they had over an eight-hour period. And you don't see some of the struggles that even pro anglers have, you know, and that really MLF, you see some of those struggles. You can see why somebody was successful and potentially why somebody wasn't. And then even learn and feel off that. Even myself as being a, a competitor in these events, I continue to learn. And it's almost probably one of the best learning processes, whether you're watching the television show or actually competing in this style of event that there could possibly be. So uh, it touches all kinds of senses and, and it's just a super fun format to watch and be a part of. You know, it really is 
is, and you brought up, Kurt, the fact that we have a camera in every boat. One of the things that has really never been covered in competitive bass fishing are the losers. I mean, for sake of a better word, I mean, in every competition, in every sport, you have winners and losers. But really, all we've ever seen are the winners. And like you said, by the time you see me on Sunday, I've been fishing six days. I'm already on them. You see me drive to my fish and catch them. But you don't see me struggle. And you certainly don't see me when I didn't catch them at that event. One of the cool things about Major League Fishing is that guy that's last. You get to watch him struggle and possibly never succeed. And all of us that fish, you know, we have experienced that. And it's nice to see the reality of what really happens on the water, you know, how the guys struggle. Hey, the guys that lose them, you know, you never see those stories about a, about a guy that would have been there, but the fish got off or, you know, he made one bad decision. He was real close. All of those emotional roller coasters that we feel on a day of tournament fishing, all of that is exposed on major league fishing. And I think that's also what makes it so cool. You hit on something that obviously is so overused now is this so-called reality TV, which as we all know, a lot of it's so scripted now, it's not even funny, but Major League Fishing is true reality TV. And I, I think when you look at the weekend anglers, which most of us, the grassroots guy that makes our sport go, we are working jobs and we have a limited time. And so therefore, uh, past programming and past education has always been over-sensationalized and really unrealistic on what you can expect to have happen. You know, they think that the 22 minutes that you see on the TV screen can be done on the water, but I think think that is definitely an added benefit by having that camera person in each and every boat that you get the opposite ends of the spectrum and everything in between to deliver what you can expect when you're actually out on the water. So, you know, with that being said, Boyd, where do you see MLF going in the years to come and kind of seeing some of the championship events now on network TV like CBS and NBC? Will MLF be the first to take fishing to the mainstream national network audience? I'd love to be able to say yes, because that certainly is our goal. We would like to have that opportunity. That is definitely one of the long-term goals of the company. We talk about it in our meetings, and we talk about it in our board meetings with our partner, Outdoor Channel, and we have full intention of trying to do that. That's really hard to do. It's never happened before, and the benefits are obvious. I mean, our sport has never been widespread or mainstream, and how cool would it be for the majority of sports fans and a large portion of who we are as competitors? competitive bass fishing. And that's one of the goals of Major League Fishing. So we work every day, 365 days a year, to try to find ways to bring the sport of professional bass fishing to a new audience. And it's obvious what that does. That creates a tremendous amount of respect for our sport. It creates a tremendous amount of care. And the more people you have involved in something, generally the better off the sport will be, especially in the outdoors. You know, uh, Ducks Unlimited, people don't realize what Ducks Unlimited have done by making the world aware of duck hunting, tremendous amount of participants. But the opposite side of that is they protect duck hunting. They give huge numbers in, in the millions all over the country to preserve duck hunting and the habitat. And the same thing would happen if bass fishing became more national and we get more people involved. And uh, we'll have more people to carry the flag and to protect our resources. There's just a tremendous amount of residual benefit that would come from that. So uh, that's our goal. And, and we sure hope to be able to answer yes 
yes to that question one day. Well, it certainly makes an exciting platform for uh, any bass fisherman, and uh, we'll continue to watch MLF and see where it grows. Boyd, let's take a quick break. Bass Edge listeners, we'll be right back with professional angler Boyd Duckett. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, you're guaranteed to get the everyday low price on the parts you need. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any local auto parts store's price on any like item. We have the parts you need at prices you can be sure of at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, uh, this is George Cochran. I'm Dave Wolak. Hey, Edge listeners, this is Clark Winman. Hi, I'm Chris Ball. Hi, this is Jim Tut, and you're listening to The Edge. Bass Edge, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, returns with pro-angler Boyd Duckett in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Hey guys, let's talk about some cold water bass fishing tactics. Boyd, many anglers know the lipless crankbait is a huge player in cold water and especially in the early spring. Why is it you think that this technique is so successful and what type of structure are you looking for to find the bass? Well, that's an easy question for me because I live on Lake Gunnersville and Lake Gunnersville is known as, you know, one of the world's leading lipless crankbait lakes, you know. I mean, it's a rattletrap lake, let's face it. So this is really a cool place and I throw a rattle trap a lot specifically because it works in cold weather. Why does it work? I think that there's two things that it really does. It's got a tremendous sound, obviously. Most of the lipless baits have a lot of sound, so you get a reaction from that cold weather bass. It also has a really tight wobble. And in the spring or, or when the water's cold, anything that has that tighter wobble, you know, even your tighter running crankbaits are always a lot better. And I think that's one of the reasons it works so well. I don't know that I have a specific answer, but I could tell you for a fact, there's no doubt that uh, those lipless baits are number one when that water's cold in my part of the country, especially here on Guntersville. Boyd, how about the type of structure that you're looking for to find the bass on the lipless crankbait? Are you looking for edges of drops or just strictly flats? When you roll up to an area or you're looking at your contours on your mapping unit, you know, say you're out there with your Lowrance and looking at the Lowrance contours, what do you see when you say, that's the area right there where we're going to catch them on a lipless crankbait? Well, here at Guntersville, I'm looking for grass flats. We have a lot of grass, which really works well for the lipless. And I'm looking for areas that are leading back into spawning locations. That's generally not the back of the flat where the fish spawn that's in front of it. And here at Gunnersville, we have grass beds that line the creeks as they move back towards those grass flats. Now, just like always in bass fishing, you have to be open-minded. I'd like to start maybe halfway back to three-quarters of the way back in the creeks and the cuts, the pockets, areas that I know they'll spawn. And then I'll work my way all the way back because, you know, pre-spawn bass, the big females, I think a lot of people don't realize how often or how early they go to the bank. So what I mean by that, they go almost every day because they'll swim the area where they'll spawn a month before they spawn. And that can be super cold water. 
you know, one of the contributors uh, were really probably 50% of my fish at the classic I won at Lay Lake in 2007. That tournament set up perfect for me, and the rattle trap was a key bait that that represented about half of my fish. And I was using that bait basically way shallower than a lot of the guys were fishing. That water was in the upper 30s on the Coosa River chain there at Lay Lake, and that's crazy cold for this area of the country. That's crazy cold. But every afternoon, those big females would swim up and swim the area where they intended to spawn. And I find that to be the case in most of the lakes I fish. That 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, big females will get up on the bank right in their spawning locations. I don't know if they're looking or just checking it out, but the bottom line is they're there. And that lipless crankbait is one of the best way to find them and catch them when that water's cold. Well, Boyd, you're such a versatile angler, so I'm sure this question is going to be hard to quantify and to narrow down. But outside of the lipless crankbait, what are your three top techniques that you like to go to and and what are you looking for to make them successful? Well, let's see. I guess uh, definitely the rattle trap would be one of my key early in the year, you know, February, March type fishing. If I'm going to pick three more, my next one's probably going to be a jerkbait. I really like a jerkbait. It's another bait that creates a reaction bite. It has a slim profile, and it's slower. A lot of times, the jerkbait is the deal when the water's really, really cold. And I'm going to fish that jerkbait the same locations because the fish don't change where they want to be. You just may have to change how you fished for them. So I'm still looking for the last drop in a creek. If you're on a reservoir that's kind of deep, that last turning bank before you hit the flat in the back. And I'm going to throw that jerk bait and don't be afraid to let it pause a long time. If that water's really cold in the 30s or low 40s, you know, be two twitches and let it pause, you know, five, six seconds. That's a long time. And that bait really works good in cold water as well. Probably my next choice would be a single-bladed spinnerbait, like a Colorado-bladed spinnerbait, you know, quarter ounce, no more than a three-eighths ounce. And I catch a lot of big pre-spawn females targeting structure. That same scenario, I'm moving back close to the spawning flats. And basically, the easy way to determine that, I'll take my boat all the way back into an area that I think will be good spawning flats. And I'll start working my way back out as opposed to working in. That's an easy way to find those locations. And I'm looking for any kind of cover, stumps, boat docks, a lay down, a stick in the water. And I can throw that single-bladed Colorado spinnerbait. I can move it slow. Remember, I said it's probably a quarter ounce. That's my favorite. And I'm just going to crawl it over all of those objects. And I get a lot of big, pretty small females that way. My third item would have to be a jig. And basically, I've got all these all these baits I just mentioned. That's what's laying on my deck. That's exactly what's laying on my deck pre-spawn. And that last one being a jig, and basically what I'm doing with that, when I'm coming out of that spawning flat, I'm throwing either the jerk bait, the lipless, maybe the spinner bait, especially if I cover. And I just see that perfect lay down, and I, I don't get bit on that spinner bait. Before I leave it, I'm probably going to pick the jig up and slowly probe all of those limbs in case that fish is not aggressive enough to chase one of those moving baits, and I get that big female on a jig. So jig, jerk bait, single Colorado bladed spinnerbait and the rattle trap. That's what's on top of my deck every year at pre-spawn. Well, boy, that's some great detail. I know listeners are going to enjoy hearing that. It gives them great starting points 
to uh, to hit the water early this spring and obviously still kind of in some of that late winter transition. So good stuff there. Boy, this is probably one of our listeners' favorite part of the podcast. This is the O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people listener question segment. Every episode, we give away a $100 gift card to the question chosen to be answered by our guest angler. And today's winner is Sean Tiemann from St. Louis, Missouri. Sean asks, when looking at a contour map before fishing a lake, what do you look for to eliminate water and determine what section of the lake to fish? And when looking to go deep like points, ledges, channels, and humps, what are some key features that you're going to be looking for? Uh, that's a good question because I think a lot of guys want to go to new water spend too much time riding around, and you can learn a lot with that topographical map back home before you get to the water. So I'm going to quantify that first by saying you would have to decide what time of year it is. So if it's summertime, I'm looking for offshore ledges, for instance then I can eliminate most of the creeks and less of the deep creeks that, that have ledges in them. And I'm looking in the summertime, current flow generally dictates most of this ledge bite, especially on the river systems with dams. And I'm going to look for a ledge that is pointing upriver or into the current. You can look at your topographical map. you got a real good feel when that dam is flowing water, which direction the current is looking in. When you're looking at a map, it's a real conceptual look at what you can have. It's a lot easier, actually, to look at a map than it is around the lake because you kind of get turned around and all of that. So I'm looking for those upstream locations. And then when I get to the area, once I've picked six or eight or ten locations off that map, and I'm going to graph those locations. What I'm looking for, you know, stumps, uh, laydowns, brush piles, even irregular rock bottom. I'm looking for something on that ledge to give the fish an ambush point. And those are going to be the locations that I look for. Conversely, if it's spring, like we just talked about, and I'm looking for pre-spawn fish, that's another really hard thing for guys to do. That's where that topo map kicks in. And I'm going to look at that map. And what I'm really looking for, I'm looking for flat topography. But I'm also looking for some kind of a highway going into that area. Bass don't spawn a full city block across a flat. Well, some do, but it isn't near as good a location as something that has a highway, like a ditch that runs up through the center of the cut, for instance, or a really sharp bank where one side is kind of flat and the other side has a little channel or a deep edge that runs down the bank. Because now I have both locations. I have my spawning area that's visible on the map by your topo lines. But more importantly, I've got the staking areas where fish are the lungs both come coming and going, and now I'm, I'm going to drive back in there based on my information of the map, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find fish-holding locations such as piers, laydowns, stumps, those kind of things. But I've eliminated a ton of riding around on the lake by doing the homework on that topo map before I ever get there. It's great information, and Sean, you should have plenty of ammo to hit the water with, and congratulations for having your question chosen. Be sure to send us an email letting us know you heard it answered right here by Bassmaster Classic champion Boyd Duckett on Bass Edge Radio, and we will send out your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And Bass Edge listeners, be sure to continue to send in those questions. We enjoy your feedback about the show and getting those questions answered. Send those in through our email support at Bass Edge or post them on our Facebook or Twitter page at Bass Edge. And remember, always include your name and hometown. Well, Boyd, as always, it has been a blast chatting and, and 
catching up and, and really reminiscing about the old times. And I know uh, certainly very confident our listeners enjoyed you being with us today on Bass Edge Radio. Any closing thoughts or words for Bass Edge Nation before we shut down? Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, Bass Edge has been in and around the fishing business for such a long time and get the chance to be back on the show again today. And like you say, thinking back on the good times we've had together, I don't think everybody realizes, you know, all this information that's out there is not the same. And you guys do such a great job. And you always ask questions that make a difference for the listener. I do a lot of shows and this is one of my favorites. And I feel like you always pull more information out of me on this show than most. So I have to assume it's good for the listener. So I I just want to say thanks for doing a first class and highly educational show. I don't get to do those all the time. Hey, boy, well, we appreciate those kind words. And certainly, as always, great to talk to you again here on Bass Edge Radio. And I'll see you in a few months uh, on the road again. I hope that you have an awesome year here in 2015. Bass Edge will be back after this message. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Man, that was another fantastic interview from Boyd Duckett. Love to hear you guys reminisce, and uh, I know we've done that in the show earlier today, talking about past episodes, but tell me a little bit more about 20-some fish under one dock. What's up? <laughs> it was crazy. You know, like Boyd said, we were down there on Martin Lake in Alabama, and I'll never forget because it was a freezing cold morning relative for Alabama, and, you know, there's so much moisture in the air. The humidity is so high that, you know, it gets to 35, 36 degrees down there and it feels like you're in the arctic it was just freezing cold so we were all bundled up hands freezing trying to get you know film in the can and we pull into this pocket and there's this one dock boys like man there ought to be a fish under here and of course we start making these casts and i mean it's just literally just one after the other fortunately they were decent sized fish i mean there was no giants but those spots kurt i mean you know how they fight and you're catching them on spinning reel on a shaky head in light line uh it didn't take too long to get warmed up in a hurry yeah yeah one of the many great shots and great episodes of Bass Edge from the past. And, you know, I tell you, Aaron, we've done 200 episodes. I alluded to it earlier. I'm ready for the next 200. Where do you see Bass Edge moving forward in the years to come? Well, I think the landscape is unlimited. Obviously, we've seen major, major shifts and major changes on how information is delivered, how people, including you and I, prefer to have that delivered. I think you've seen just an evolution, even with internally within the Bass Edge brand, of, of trying to not only tie education, but also tie real life experience experience, real life advice to actually promote the sport. You know, there's so many different avenues to go after, but I personally think that ultimately our audience will dictate that has always been the litmus test of what they want, what they find interesting, what they find helpful.
helpful because, as you know, Kurt, no one at Bass Edge does this from a vanity media standpoint. We want to do it because we are passionate about the sport. You know, I've been asked several times, is video ever going to be back on the docket? I don't want to say that it's ruled out. We are exploring those avenues, and if and when it makes sense and we can do it in a manner that is the normal quality and standard of Bass Edge, we are going to take steps to be able to deliver a quality product. And certainly the sponsors, they have been tremendous throughout this journey. And quite honestly, I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the audience. And we have a pretty good gig, Kurt. Just thankful to actually to be able to do this. Yes, yes, that is correct. We really do. I'm going to give a shout out to all the listeners. Like you said, Aaron, if it's not the listeners, then, then we don't have a show. If the listeners aren't interested in something, we don't know what they have to hear. So continue that feedback. And listeners, if you get a chance to tell our sponsors how much you enjoy Bass Edge, whether it's through an email, Facebook, whatever it is, these fine sponsors have helped us continue to move forward, continue to grow and be where we're at today of 200 episodes let's run down through these guys real quick mega wear keel guard lucas oil protect the o'reilly auto parts legend boats mercury outboards power pole lawrence rapaholic.com and of course in motion wholesale providing you lucas oil products so you know just give those people a shout out continue to let us know what you want to hear and your questions on bass edge radio facebook twitter handle it's all right there it was a lot of fun giving away the promos the last uh, few weeks with the uh, o'reilly auto parts giveaways dvds from bass edge the lucas oil just a ton of fun and uh aaron i I got to say, it's time to let go of 200 because 201 is on its way. I guess if we were handing out diplomas, Kurt, you and I would officially get one. Would be the first one I know for you in your lifetime. But uh, no, in all seriousness, (laughs) in all seriousness, I know you and I joke a lot. But just want to thank you as well. Uh, Certainly your vision and efforts and energy. It's very reflective in the brand. Unfortunately, we are at the end of episode number 200. Here's to another 200. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin, and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, thanks everybody. We'll see you on episode number 201, February 1st. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. Rapaholic.com.